0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice Tech Series, a special edition of the Nonprofit Voice Podcast, hosted by Mark Becker, founding partner of Cfexta's Partners and Editorial Advisory Board member of Nonprofit Pro. In each episode of this monthly installment, Mark will have conversations with prominent nonprofit organizations and industry thought leaders to learn more about different technology offerings in the marketplace. Join us, and together we will learn more about these innovative digital tools and how to navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape.
1: All right. Hello, everyone. Mark Becker again, um, founding partner of Cathexis Partners, uh, and today we're going to be talking all about experiential events in 2021 and beyond, considering everything that's happened, and I'm really excited to have several guests today, um, including Jillian, Susan, and Julie, and I'm going to allow them each to introduce themselves. So Jillian, you want to kick it off?
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Jillian Schrands. I work with the team at Event360. 360. Event360 360, uh, has been planning, producing, and promoting peer-to-peer fundraising events for nonprofits across the country for the past 18 years. I'm the director of business development there and just celebrated 15 years with the company and excited to talk today about elevating experiences as we work through this year of transition.
1: Nice. Julie, you want to go next?
2: Sure. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Wallach. I
3: am one of the co-founders of the Charge Running app. Um, We recently have been helping out with some of these crazy transitions to the virtual world, and I'm excited to talk more about it.
1: Great, last but not least, Susan.
3: Hi,
4: I'm Susan Hurley, and I have uh, two businesses, Uh, one, Charity Teams, uh, which helps small nonprofits grow through um, managing athletic fundraising teams. And the other one is Charge Running, where I work in virtual partnerships with Julie here, my colleague.
1: So perfect um, transition into what a year, right? And it was hard on everybody, but for businesses that are event-focused, I mean, this is like nightmare territory, right? I mean, obviously, yes, it's, it's horrible, there, all the health issues and, and everything else. But when it comes to trying to run a business, what was that? and what are we still in and how are we getting out of it? So, you know, they, when they asked me to, to, to guest host these things, it's, you know, they asked me to pr- kind of put a technology spin on it. And I obviously, you know, saw what you guys were doing when I was at the recent peer to peer professional forum conference. I was part of that. Um, the, uh, 5k, uh, barely survived it. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, it was just amazing what you had, so I, I thought it'd be terrific to have you on here and kind of talk about how, in this day and age, you know we can make events that are virtual or hybrid or even when they're back in full physical again, you know how do you bring that sense of community and experience? Um, to it all, because back in the day it was all you know run walk rides and and very straightforward you went out in the field and you you, you had a little ceremony you, you blew a horn and everybody was off right so uh, the world's changing now, people have different expectations, and we have to change because of this so that's a long way of saying what a year um, Jillian you know how, how how are how are you and your team doing, and how are your clients doing with all of this
2: absolutely so. You know, I think, again, 2021 is really proving to be a year of transition. I think for the nonprofit clients we serve, it's been about how do we help? How can we be helpful to you all? What do you need as you navigate 2020 and 2021? You know, I think we're seeing a mix of folks that took their 5K program or their endurance walk program um, or their bike program virtual in 2020, right? They tried to, uh, cultivate their teams and their fundraisers and keep them engaged and fundraising and provide some sort of virtual experience, whether that was through tools participants already had, like their, uh, fundraising platforms, obviously, but then some Facebook groups and Facebook live and zooms, right? Um, and now looking forward to 2021, some are staying virtual Um, especially anyone who was planning for the spring, we're seeing that a lot. Mm -hmm. Some are going to say, you know what, we're going to do a portion of our events live. We're going to pick the ones in the fall that we think we can make work and we're going to give it a go. You know, we've got our first post pandemic live event happening in April and working with these organizations to figure out how we make them COVID compliant how we put these best practices in place to really give them time and space and all of the things that they need on event to reimagine it a little bit, but still get the participants together safely. So, you know, I think it's a mix really of engaging virtual experiences for the folks who maybe can't come out, whether they're immunocompromised, unvaccinated, not ready, etc., and, you know, creating safe live experiences for the organizations and the events that are able to, to kind of dip their toe back in the water of the live event, right? That's, that's what we're looking at for, you know, middle of this year through middle of next year is a combination. And I think hybrid means something different to everyone. That's one of those words that, Mm -hmm. you know, gets thrown around, but for us, I think hybrid is a great way to capture adding levels and layers of experience to whatever the virtual program was last year, taking whatever you were able to do last year and making it even more experiential. It's that step between fully virtual and live. And for that, you know, I think we're really excited to be testing new technologies this year.
1: That's yeah. Awesome. Well said. And then Susan with, uh, on the charity team side um, the last year was, kind of a wash, right? Um, How's things going, or was it, and how are things going looking at later this year and even ahead to 2022?
4: Yeah, I mean, last year, obviously, with the cancellation of so many of the major events that I work with, like New York City Marathon and Boston Marathon, I mean, it definitely is set back Uh, many of the charity programs that were involved in those races. But fortunately, you know, there is um, a window of hope as we continue to go down um, a path of sort of recovery here. And in, um, you know, in October and November, there's many of the big marathons planned. And so, you know, right now we're focusing on The virtual component, as we learn more about the live in-person events and what that is going to look like, so you know, if there is live in-person events, it will allow an opportunity for many of these small nonprofits to, um, you know, benefit from uh, the opportunity with marathons like Boston and New York and Chicago.
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to the fall. And then Julie, you're smarter than everybody. You must've seen this all coming. That's why you, you founded charge, you know, a few years back, right? You got it all figured out. You knew this was coming and and you were on the inside track.
3: I I wish I could say I had it all figured out. So thanks. Thanks, Mark. We actually started charge running um, to have users have a place to have a social and engaging experience during their run. And then, 2020 hit the year we don't want to talk much about and we did a transition and we had some charities and race directors kind of reach out to us and say hey can we use your platform to put on a virtual race and we said sure why not let's try it and so we kind of did a pilot last year and we were able to help charities raise over two and a half million dollars last year on our platform What we do is we try to bring that in-person feel to your virtual race. So you don't cancel your race date and time. You actually still keep a race date and time, but you can join from anywhere in the world. You log on to our app, you're all ranked on a live leaderboard and you have an open chat room where you can chat with your fellow runners. So you really start to build that community that I think we're all really missing right now on race day. In addition, you have a live race announcer. We've had special guest hosts such as Jillian. We put on such a fun event with Event360 and Jillian came on the mic and was our special guest host. It's been really incredible.
1: Yeah, I really, and because uh, I was part of that as well, that's why I I definitely wanted to jump on and see if I can get you guys on here to chat about this, because I think this really is a great example. And without experiencing it, it's hard to explain. Um, At least it was hard for me to kind of get a concept of what what was going to be there that morning. You know, so the race was like nine o'clock Eastern uh, on a Tuesday morning, I think, and so i 'm just download the app I, I I go and log in, and uh find the event that i 'd pre pre-set up and um, you guys were already chatting away uh, music was playing in the background and I'm like, Oh geez, this is for reals. I gotta, I gotta get out there and I got my shoes laced up and I gotta go now because I'm, I'm one of these people on this list that I can see all the other participants and, and uh, well, now the start, now the start is, is happened. Um, and, and the music was playing and you guys were chatting through and encouraging us all. And uh, just, it felt even though I'm running around my own you know, neighborhood in the same, same, little loop that i always do uh it felt like i was really part of something by listening to all that happen and you guys really made it um you know truly feel interactive and giving updates throughout the oh so-and-so is halfway well done now we see you know this person's here and they've posted some pictures and yeah you do a great job of really bringing that whole experience and making feel people feel like they're all in this together so i thought that was really incredible
3: Thank you. I mean, you just spoke to my app so well. You just gave the full breakdown. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, and that's why I think I wanted to, to talk more about, you know, what are the, so Jillian back to you, you know, what are you what are the types of things other than like you know charge that you're using to to bring that that sense of community that experience um, you know give us some other ideas What what you're working with some of your other clients on uh, and what's what's working and what's been even maybe a, a bit challenging I was kind of open ended but
2: no absolutely so here's the thing I'll say some of what works still is going to work. There are pieces that really worked for organizations that we're not just going to abandon when we go back to live events, but we're continue to use those tools to cultivate our fundraisers. And I think um, you know the work that our team did on the Susan G. Komen three day, we you know, presented a webinar on creating engaging digital experiences. And so for that audience, it was really important to go where the people are, right? That's what one of our owners always says about big shows and live events, go where the people are. And so if everybody's comfortable on Facebook, on Zoom, these were technologies that could be leveraged to create really great social gatherings, um, scavenger hunt style, you know, sharing of walking events, things like that, that folks already knew the technology so the technology wouldn't be a barrier. So I think we'll continue to see that um, be leveraged by organizations to foster community, fundraising, teams, et cetera. That said, one of the great things that we've been able to do with technology in the past year was create a contactless and app guided event. So we took at Event360 the last year to launch a brand new event under our Events for Good brand. And Events for Good is essentially a collaborative model where our team creates and produces innovative events and allows organizations to come and be charity partners and keep 100% of the dollars raised. I would have said there wouldn't have been a worse time to launch a brand new event brand, (laughs) except it allowed us to get ahead of, this pandemic year. And I feel like right now organizations need new fundraising opportunities, but can't invest a lot of money. So this turned out to be a great fit with the five by five. We're asking participants to do five, five K's in 24 hours. We set up five start lines all around a city like Denver or this spring will be in Dallas and the technology is really the thing that has allowed us to be contactless, safe and COVID compliant. So participants, unlike a traditional 5k where everyone shows up at the start line at the same time, right? And we're trying to create those big crowds. Instead, they've got 24 hours to hit all five sites. We don't tell them when to show up. We don't tell them what order to do them in, but the registration platform we use called fundraising has a QR code system where everybody gets a QR code that can easily be scanned at any start line. And once it's scanned, it automatically sends a text with a link to the route. And that route opens up in an app called RunGo, which is our on-event technology that we use for an app-guided route experience. So instead of having to mark the course and having water stops and crowds cheering, participants simply put in their headphones, open up the route and go. And they get turn-by-turn directions in their ear that you know, tells them turn left in 600 feet, turn left now. And they can see themselves on a GPS map. And it's this incredible, um, way to get participants back out there, but they feel safe. They feel like, okay, it's a solo run, but I'm also with other people, but there's no crowding and without technology, without fundraising, without run go, we wouldn't be able to provide that experience to folks, nonetheless have created an entire concept around it. So, You know, that has really opened up a ton of doors for us in this new post-COVID world. Partnering with Charge Running has also given us the opportunity to add a virtual participation type. So that's the piece we're incredibly excited about. We just launched that reg type this week. So now people in Dallas can register to do the event in person or a runner in Boston or Chicago or I don't know, Omaha can register and go live with us five times in that 24 hour period and get that incredible experience you were talking about. So is it scary trying something new? Absolutely. Like we're used to registration and check-in tents. We're used to you know, um, paper forms or iPads, right? So this whole contactless scan and go opportunity was new to us too. But ultimately without these new tools, we wouldn't be able to process the number of people on site we're going to be able to, we wouldn't be able to have the number of people on site um, that we're going to be able to see in Dallas this spring.
1: That's great. And, and, just to, to summarize back if I, if I heard you right and understand it correctly then if an organization a nonprofit's interested in in doing a 5k but doesn't want to do all the logistics and and deal with all of that they can just you know meet with you and and do one of these cities and and just uh, for a fee then they get all the fundraising dollars um, that comes back from that and not have to worry about any of all of that that you just (laughs) mentioned that is all the secret sauce and all the real hard work, but not part of their daily jobs, right?
2: Absolutely. So it's actually a good opportunity for organizations that maybe have a signature runner walk, but are trying to add something new. The Events for Good brand is intended to be innovative, like test cases of new concepts that maybe they can't afford to launch on their own. But five 5Ks in 24 hours, that's a really fun, unique peer-to-peer opportunity. So we have nine organizations currently on board with us to be charity partners. And each of them has joined with us actually at no charge this year. We're waiving the buy-in fee because obviously, you know, post-pandemic, everybody's trying to recoup revenue. Um, We have nine organizations on board as charity partners right now. So when somebody registers, they have the option to be a do-gooder and choose one of those charities and fundraise for them and the organization gets 100% of the funds. But yeah, we, we show up, we produce the event either way.
1: That's awesome. I didn't realize uh, that was all you're using Fundrais and the, the peer-to-peer platform for that, huh? How's that how's that all working out? They're they're um they've been around for a while, but they're I think Australian uh, based initially and they and, but they have a, a presence now in the US and I think their their platform's pretty cool. Well, I'm assuming you agree. That's why Oh, you're we using
2: absolutely them. agree. They are based in Australia. We were really lucky to discover them. They what we like most about them is the seamless user experience. It feels almost customer focus as opposed to maybe traditional peer-to-peer focus. They've got the QR codes. They're able to deploy those text messages. That's an experience we're all very used to in our consumer lives, right? So I think what they've done is integrated some of that consumer-facing technology and experience into their registration and fundraising platform. While still providing your traditional fundraising sites and tools for participants that they're very used to when they're asking folks to raise money for them. So it's the perfect kind of mashup of both worlds.
1: Yeah. And speaking of timing, you know, um, and Julie and, or, or Susan love your, hear your thoughts on this, you know, obviously with, with the pandemic and everything, things like Peloton and mirror and, and, um, fight, fight, uh, uh camp and all of these kind of things are, are really popular as far as being able to, um, you know, work out at home with a, with a coach. Um, and so charge, I see right in that, that same kind of grouping, at least in my head, um, just even more mobile, um, and being able to, to use it wherever, um, and not have to, uh, sit in front of a mirror. Um, uh, sounds weird. Um, but <laughs> things are really popular and they really took off even more because everybody's at, at home. Are, are you seeing a, a big uptick and, you know, any, anything else to add about the, the environment we find ourselves in these days?
3: Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you, you said it best when you said, you know, you're noticing all of these things pop up and that's because we are in the midst of a change, And I really think that virtual is here to stay. We at Charge are very excited for in-person events, obviously, to come back. But I think there's always going to be this virtual component that you can add on to your events. And I think that virtual experiences are really growing. You know, Peloton, The Mirror are other great examples. People are getting comfortable at, at being at home. Charge is doing a really great job trying to let you be able to do it wherever you want, but also bring in that community. We have runners that have become friends from across the country and and met together in person to do races. So bringing that community aspect, I think into your fitness is also just very important. And now that we can transition it into virtual events and virtual partnerships and help out charities, it's been incredible. Susan actually started a program at Charge called Charge for a Cause, which I'm very excited about. But Susan, I would love for you to speak about that.
4: Yeah, thanks, Julie, and you're absolutely right. I mean, virtual is here to stay. We saw it um, really years ago with Disney Marathon, and then um, that's when virtual really started where people were getting medals and they wanted all that, but they would run on their own, choose their own course. And then when I saw New York Roadrunners pick it up with the Volvo New York Roadrunners Virtual Volvo Series, that's when I really knew that, wow, this is something. You know, people, people want that stuff and, and they're okay not running in person. Many people don't want to. Um, with, so, so I totally agree with Julie with, with virtual is here to stay. And I think we're going to see that um, even with, with, with gyms, there's a lot of closures of gyms and, and things like that. Um, but charge for a cause. Um, yeah, thanks, Julie, for the props there. Um, so essentially what it is, is charities, it's our COVID relief. Um, for nonprofits, which, which are hurting from all the cancellations. So um, it's, it's, you can apply to charge for a cause. Uh, We have an application on our website um, and you essentially just put all your information in there. Tell us why you um, feel that you would be a worthy candidate for this. We're looking at sort of The um, medium to small nonprofits, although we've had picked a couple of decent-sized nonprofits that have suffered uh, for their budgets in COVID. Uh, Three of the charities that we've selected so far for Charge for a Cause are Longevity. And then also we just selected Black Girls Run and Girls on the Run in in Connecticut. So this is going to give charities an opportunity to host a live virtual 5K Uh, at no charge, and be able to fundraise and use this as a great uh, fundraising opportunity to, um, you know, to to sort of get ahead. And, and, and hopefully they'll, you know, hopefully they'll learn that, you know, this is a viable form of fundraising, and it's very little heavy lifting at all.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, and that's great that you're 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 offering that up. But for those organizations that, you know, have the budget and want to go ahead and and um you know schedule and pay for um a five K, for example, uh what's what's that price point look like?
3: So our pricing definitely varies based on the distance of the event and how many runners come in. But if anyone wants to learn more, you can shoot us an email at partnerships at chargerunning.com. We have so many different bells and whistles. We call it that we offer with our, with our runs to really make it an experience that shows off everything about your organization. It's very customizable.
1: Got it. Good, good to know. Um, Jillian, anything to add on, on, on the, the experience with charge?
2: Absolutely. As you were I the, think-
1: cause you guys, you did it. First of all, you did a great job that day. You were on the mic and, uh, you, 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 you kept me, you kept me, uh, motivated to, to cross the finish line. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm almost there. I'm going to make it. Well, <laughs> so well done. <laughs> that's
2: one of my favorite things is that, you know, I have never, participated in any kind of broadcast before. Right. But the team at charge was so wonderful throughout the entire onboarding process. They really got a sense of what we were trying to do with the run for good, which was bring our longstanding annual event for the conference to the virtual format. And I think between them helping us understand the technology, I had never used discord before much to my teenager's dismay. Um, you know, (laughs) And coach Betsy, like really cheering us on and helping, you know, feed up some great Q&A during the broadcast, their whole partnership guide that included sample scripts for us so that my team could, you know, cue up talking points to keep that hour long broadcast interesting. The support that we received from them was awesome. And I think At the end of the day, what we were trying to do is demonstrate the type of experience that these organizations could have with this virtual tool. And so one of the things I love best about this is as great as Facebook Live, Zoom, all these other technologies are, even augmented reality. Like we saw some incredible technologies come out of 2020, The one thing that I think charge does better than anyone is bringing that start line experience along for the entire 3.1 miles. And so I think for us, you know, what organizations are missing is their ceremony. Mark back to your point about where we all started. They don't have the opportunity to acknowledge top fundraisers in a live way. They don't have the opportunity to shout out teams to talk about the impact of where those dollars are going. Remember at the end of the day events are a means to an end. We're just trying to fuel, you know, mission related fundraising. And so instead of just going live for 10 minutes, wishing everybody the best of luck and sending them on their own way, you've got a whole hour to talk to people about the impact dollars have made. And I think for us, You know, obviously the run for good wasn't a fundraising opportunity, but when it comes to the five by five K and we get to go live five times, you better believe we're going to be highlighting these charity partners and the organizations that are partnered with us and the fundraisers and do-gooders who are going to be raising money for not just one cause, but you know, we've got nine on board so far, and I'm pretty sure we'll, you know, hit 10 or 12 by the time we're done in Dallas. So that piece of the technology is unbeatable. In my opinion, it's almost better than a live 5k because on a 5k, you the start line, you leave, and then suddenly you're on your own for 3.1. With this, you're bringing the whole crowd with you. There's the chat function where people can share photos and selfies. It was really, really interactive and, and you participated. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. We got your selfies, Mark.
1: it gave me a good excuse to stop and 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 not uh you know so i didn't pass out oh i gotta take a selfie here i'm halfway (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was great susan anything to add to any of that
4: yeah i think jillian's right i mean it's all about storytelling right when you're when you're working for a charity in order to um raise those important dollars if you can convey your message effectively um you'll raise more money and i think audio is here to stay i mean we see it with Spotify. We see it with Clubhouse. Uh, People love a live experience. And, um, you know, this. the coolest part about Charge, I think, is that you're bringing your community, which you are missing, and you're putting them in your ear now, and you're bringing everyone together, and you're able to really detail out all the wonderful things that you do and the things that you want to tell them in order for you to raise more money. We can drop fundraising links in the chat room and we can actually have a listen in mode where people that may not want to run or walk can listen in and still hear the wonderful broadcast that we're uh, putting on and contribute. So they can be the cheerleaders sort of in the room or at the finish line, which is a great thing. I think one of the things to mention is that you know, when you look at what it costs on charge, um, to host an event compared to what you can raise, it's, it's substantial. I mean, you know, it's a worthwhile, um, it's a worthwhile event to put on because, you know, I I will say with like a world wildlife fund, which raised over $70,000 in their event, you know, it, it was, it was way less than 10%, um, is what they paid on charge. And, you know, so that was a, a kind of a nice surprise fundraiser for them that they did not expect. They, they took a chance with us. They wanted to try it. They had heard about it. Julie and I had nurtured them along and they put on an amazing event uh, complete with uh, animal sounds and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy how that event went. And it was a four-hour live broadcast. It was a 5K, 10K half. And they had roughly around uh, 380 people in it. And they raised a substantial amount of money through um, building in incentives along the way. That's awesome. Hmm.
1: Yeah, great. Or anybody, actually. Um, But I think maybe you probably had the most experience in this, you know, when it... um, I just actually um, had a a couple calls, uh, one this morning and one earlier this week for someone having an event in October and hoping to be in person, um, but having a plan B, right? Hoping for the best, planning for the worst, um, as we all need to do. and, uh, you know, they're trying to think through even just registration fees and, and uh, how that happens if there's not an event and all that, um, you know, any, any advice or any tips that you're putting out there for folks that are, are planning for um, fall events that may or, or may not um, happen?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think getting, um, your COVID mitigation plans in place, which include probably a very different site plan than what you've been used to traditionally, mm-hmm. a very different uh, event schedule than maybe you're used to traditionally. That should be your Plan A. Plan A should look very different. And then on top of that, having Plan B and Plan C. So I can give you an example. Um, you know, for the event that we're hosting, producing rather. For the AIDS Healthcare Foundation down in Fort Lauderdale next month. The team has spent a significant amount of time working and reworking the traditional site plan elements, you know, having a waived start time instead of one gigantic start time, um, really eliminating some of the check in procedures. There's still a check in and there's a registration fee, but we're giving people the opportunity to self-pay at the door with a QR code, if that's the method they want to go to. Um, We're eliminating some of the crowded elements. We're establishing pods on the beach where groups who have come together can stay together. So I think what organizations need to do is work within their specific city and county guidelines and with the event experts in their market to build plans that check every box. And that should be plan A. There should be social distancing. You should eliminate things that are going to encourage crowding. Um, You know, bring in technologies that allow you to change up your registration flow so that folks aren't handing anything back and forth. That's plan A. And then on top of that, be ready to have plan C and D in place if you have to. For the five by five, the thing that I love is we were able to add, you know, you know, event 360, we wouldn't add a virtual experience if it wasn't multi-sensory and amazing. Like we love great events. We are event people. Right. Um, by bringing in charge with the virtual option, we don't see that as a backup plan so much as an event enhancement, but you know, if, you know, forbid something were to happen and we had to switch everyone over to that mode, it would give us the ability to do that. So, you know, I think now more than ever, folks have got to shake up the way it's always been. And there, there is a way to do it. Um, and uh, you know, that's what, that's what we're working on for the fall and even next spring. We anticipate to continue to see it.
1: I like it. So, all right, we've talked about how to make it more experiential for the, um, the participants. What about the sponsors? You know, how do we, how do we make sure that they're getting value for uh, their involvement um, You know, uh, I don't know, Julie, any thoughts on that? What do you you all over there do uh, with charge?
3: Absolutely. That's one thing we love to tell our charity partners is you get to keep your sponsors and you can give your sponsor, you know, kind of like airtime to put in their messaging and say, hey, this event was brought to you by, well, Event360 was uh, a great team we worked with. But you know you can get to keep those sponsors. You can sell more sponsorship sponsorship spots. They can come on and you know, speak, to, speak to them. And um, it's just been a great way to keep them. What we've, what we've been, we've talked with so many charities and one thing we've noticed is that they are getting less and less sponsorship dollars. And this is a new way and a new thing to kind of sell your sponsors on right now, especially in the virtual space.
1: I like it. And to add to that, the sponsorship side, uh, Jillian or uh, or Susan?
3: Sure.
4: Um, one of the things I love about Charge is that the app works all over the world. So, you know, you're able to engage sponsors that have a national presence as well, not just a local presence. So you can go for some of those bigger sponsors. And obviously, when you drop in audio clips or have the trainer speak about that particular company or sponsor um, in sort of a podcasty type of way, it's, it's a great way to get your messaging across as a sponsor. So I think that with Charge, uh, sponsorship sales are very easy if you go out there and, and, and you know engage them. The other thing I want to say is that there is a shelf life To charge. So after we do the live event, we're able to throw this onto our on demand section. And because it is recorded, and people can listen to it and sign up for it at a later date. So, you know, I love the fact that, you know, I might be able to run the live event, but, you know, my best friend who might be unable to do that because she's got to work, wants to do the event, she can run it the next day or a month later or, or, or so on. So, um, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, we can, we can incorporate things like national anthem and, 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 you know, the runners get a, a a sound going off in the air to start the race and a sound going off when they finish the race. So in the live leaderboard, it's a live experience,
3: no doubt. And one thing I'd love to add to that Jillian, you hit on is like right now people have to have those A, B, C, D, E plans and you know, that can definitely be nerve wracking, I'm sure. And one way charge can really help is that there's no limit. You can have as many participants as you want. And right now in the world we're in, that's not necessarily the case for in-person. So we've definitely partnered with people that, you know, have an in-person and they can only have a 200 runners, and then they go national. They go all around the world with Charge, and they can have as many participants as want, and really, really share their messaging all around
2: the world.
1: That's, yeah, that's great. I like it. So for those folks, um, and Jillian, a question for you: for those folks that that you know don't have Charge um, uh, at the moment, uh, didn't know about it yet, right? Um, but now they do. Um, When it comes to ceremonies, like opening and closing ceremonies, right, and people um, trying to kind of do it themselves or maybe even an auction or or what have you, Um, you know, this whole thing about um, real time live versus pre-recorded, right, the pros and cons, you know, you want that live feel so that people you know, can, can feel that sense of, you know, inclusion and they're part of it and it's all happening in real time, but then, you know, you have the technical issues, right? Uh, Potential Uh, technical issues. Um, You know, we had one client that decided they were going to live stream something, opening ceremonies, and they they had some real technical issues. Um, They got it sorted out relatively quickly, um, but that was definitely a a cringeworthy moment for them. It it was seamless pretty much, you know, uh, not a big deal to everybody else, but for them, it was pretty tough. Any advice about, you know, live versus pre-recorded ceremonies?
2: Well, you know, I'm a big fan of live whenever possible. And I, I, I do understand the technical aspect of it. Right. But I think practice makes perfect, you know, um, rehearsals, you know, getting it all nailed down so that you can have that live experience and everyone can be together is truly incredible. Um, I will say, you know, is that the thing that, In the new virtual world keeps me up at night absolutely you know i know what to expect on a stage i know what to expect race morning live the technology does throw people a little bit of angst so knowing that if organizations are uncomfortable i say go with what's going to be best so if you just can't figure out the technology i think quality Over a live experience is absolutely a smart approach. Um, You've got one, you've got one chance to really make it a great event for folks. So whatever you're going to be most successful at, you don't want to miss that opportunity. These folks have fundraised for you. They've, you know, sometimes paid a registration fee to be there. Like, let's make sure that we are delivering on that experience. So they feel rewarded for their efforts.
1: Yeah, well said. And I would say since, you know, you all um, may be a little too humble, um, I'll say that definitely just hire the professionals and do it live and it'll be right the first time, right? I, I again, really <laughs> enjoyed the experience with, it, you know, the the, the run, um, the recent run. Um, that you all put on and uh it was really great that it was live knowing that everybody else is out there sweating at the same time is great no also knowing that it was on demand to go back to and feel the pain again was was good to know but never experienced um (laughs) for me personally but yeah i say you know sometimes you just got to bring in the right people and when you're talking about live events uh i think you guys are are right there at the tops any any final thoughts as we wrap up Um, let's start with you jillian
2: Yeah, no, I would say technology is opening a lot of doors for folks. And I agree with Julie and Susan, as much as I'm excited for the return to live events, virtual opportunities, whether they're entirely virtual or virtual add-ons for our folks who just aren't ready to be back out in the world yet, they're here to stay. So I hope next year is the year we actually get away from the term virtual because charge has provided us so much more than that. It's a live experience. I know you guys call it live virtual and it really is. And I think the more that organizations can leverage these technologies to enhance the experiences and allow their participants who are so dedicated to the missions that they serve to raise even more dollars for them, the better. And then when they're ready to get back out in the world, you know, we're here, we're ready to produce COVID contactless and app guided safe live events again.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Susan, how about you? Any final thoughts?
4: Yeah. One of the things that I would like to just say is that, you know, we're going to see a healthier society because of virtual. It gives people the opportunity, no matter who they are, no matter where they are to participate, have a community, do it at a lower cost and really feel less intimidated by some of these in-person events. So I think you're gonna see virtual really rise in the fit- fitness community. It is without a doubt here to stay. And I think you're gonna see, you know, it's it's going to even, even in the metal com- medical community, I think you're gonna see virtual be just something where you can promote good health through virtual training.
1: I like it. How about you, Julie?
3: Absolutely. And thanks for the kind words, everyone. But just, you know, kind of piggybacking off of everybody, we know that new technology is uncomfortable. And we do our absolute best to make everybody comfortable with it. It is a transition. But usually when you step out of your comfort zone, good things happen. And we're really excited to make that transition smooth and successful for for many more charities. And we're excited about it.
1: Awesome. Well, um Thanks everybody for for joining me today um, and listening in for those that are listening in. But definitely thank you very much to Jillian, Julie, and Susan for joining us today. I think that's going to be uh, another interesting year, and I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, you go back and if you if you aren't familiar with Peer to Peer Professional Forum, they put out a, a report every year of the the top peer to peer fundraising events, and it was it was pretty sad to see you know the the large drop off in in fundraising. I think it was like. 400 million less raised in the in the top 30 fundraising um cuz majority of those um uh, 28 out of the 30 of the previous year I think were all basically physical events um uh focused on you know actual uh, events um so, and with this next last year, we saw a lot uh, of uh, events that were already virtual do okay or not lose as much money, so actually end up in the top thirty. So I think it is here to stay. The world is um, changing for uh, the better in some ways, um, and this is one of those positives. And I think. Um, you know, technology like like charge and and uh, an event company production company like Event three hundred and sixty can really help you get it done. So thank you all so much for joining me today, and um, everybody have a great day.
0: Thank, thank you. you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.